Hi, welcome to Candle Beach, where we bring to you our take on world events and how they impact consumer psychology in India and around the world. I'm Ashish, a management consultant and marketeer. Hi, everyone. I'm Silesh. Um, I deal in financial instruments, especially in lending. Today, we're going to talk about um, how practical is ESG in the present day world. So we were talking about, like, we were talking about this the other day about how the electric vehicles that have been launched by companies and that are most companies' goals for their 2024-2030 lineups. Like as an example, Honda left uh, the F1 circuit because they wanted to add, they they wanted to be a little more sustainable, and F1 with their fuel consumption was just not meshing well with their brand positioning. So with this push, this shift in focus into environmental savvy products, so to say, are we really moving into something that's going to be protecting the environment a little better into the future? What are your thoughts? It's on the balance. I don't say, you know, I wouldn't go um, with um, completely buying an electric car right now. Because let's say if you're in, in the middle of a snowstorm, I wouldn't be sitting in an electric car waiting for the battery to shut off. I'd rather drive a combustible car. You know, so what you're saying just, is the technology isn't there yet. And that is what's inhibiting you. Sure. They're, they're mul- they're, see, Tesla is a nice car. I'm not going to deny it. However, it has issues. You cannot change your own. Let's say you you're you have a flat on the middle of a freeway. You cannot change your own. Um, um, the tires. Your tire. You have to. Really? Yeah, you cannot change your Tesla tires. You have to take it to the uh, the service center. You have to get it uh, flatbed towed because it will lock its tires out, and you cannot even you know like you cannot put it on a two wheel tow and pull it out. You have to put it on a flatbed tow. So Which is there very- are issues. Which is very contrary to the picture that was painted, right? Like with Tesla, you picture self-driving cars and self-driving cars comes with a certain degree of convenience. But if the right to repair lies with the brand, with the manufacturer, there is no convenience. I mean, there's another thing too. Like what if, so I buy the car and I miss a payment on the car, one month payment. There is a chance the car can start itself and go back to the dealership, which is... (laughs) A, a huge crazy. invasion of privacy, you know, and the car is literally GPS all the time. So even if they want to repossess it, the the agents, the repossession agents have to go through, don't have to go through any of the process which they have to go with a conventional car, you know, so which is. What if you were sitting in the car at privacy. the time? What if you were sitting in the car at the time? Legally, you cannot actually uh, repossess a car if you're sitting in the car. Oh, but okay. what if randomly, you know, the the command is given and you have to, the, the car starts, <laughs> so like you go, let's say you're going to uh, <laughs> your destination is like reroute to the dealership because you didn't pay your bill. <laughs> Kidnapping, like picture your child in the backseat, like with yeah, the windows like, cranked down. It's like everything just stepped gets out of locked the vehicle down and, and boom. There's a TV show, um, uh, Bait Car. I don't know if you know about it. They'll, uh, they'll bait a bunch of people trying to rob the car. Uh, so they'll they'll literally leave the car in one of the most uh, areas the where shadiest of neighborhoods. Yeah, the a- automobile theft happens. Yeah, with the keys unlocked and everything. So a bunch of these guys jump in and they'll start taking the car somewhere, and it's being watched. Like the cops are right there, everything is right there, and they'll as soon as they start driving. I mean, there are cameras inside the car too, so they can see what they do, and uh, a bunch of funny stuff happens. So they'll. What's the, the consequence of off. this, though? 
I mean, I know this isn't a part of our discussion, but just as a fun aside, what's the consequence of this? Do they the get arrested? The consequence is like, it's, yeah, they get arrested. But the consequence is, it's like, it's the concept is similar with regards to a Tesla, like a huge invasion of privacy. And then, I you agree. know, the data collection is also, I mean, it's it's good for the car to get better, but I wouldn't say it's great for the privacy of uh, the customer. We circle back to the base car thing, because honestly, <laughs> in my opinion, if you're, you're sort of dangling something in front of, let's say, people who are in desperate need, then yes. and sort of incentivizing them to commit a crime. That, but yeah, anyway, we, that's not a yeah, part of it, our discussion. It, it is, you and yeah, I will uh, circle back to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so two things you've said so far. One is potential. Like we we don't understand where the technology might go to, wherein we, uh, to use your words previously, might be an Orwellian future that we see uh, see eventually, wherein cars repossess themselves. People track your every movement. Uh, but more importantly, we were talking about the environmental impact. You said that the technology isn't there yet. But what about the environmental impact? You're focusing on that, ESG, so to speak. What so are your thoughts there? Environmental impact is, I would say, it's like minuscule. So if, you, uh, you, if you're saying, you know, this, this car is actually, uh, you know, it reduces a lot of uh, carbon footprint. But mm-hmm. how much of footprint does it reduce, including the manufacture of the car? It, it's and and uh, the mining for the lithium. How much of so you're talking about the value chain as a whole? The, the, yeah, the entire the lifetime of uh, the car. So and you have another thing. You also have this huge. Um, how much of how many times you have to replace the battery before the car lifetime ends? Like probably seven years, ten years. How much you're going to spend for that? What is the carbon footprint and the replacement of a battery? Also, These we don't factors add into. We don't quite know what the product. I I, I don't know if product life cycle is the right word here, but uh, what I'm hoping to get at is we don't know when people tend to replace their products because with electric vehicles they're fairly new. Typically, yeah. as I understand it, maybe in the Indian market you have like a five year cycle, like every five years you tend to change your vehicle. People or do, maybe... but yeah, yeah. But what's the typical in market? Rate? I would I would say it was it'll be little. Uh, more than the, just the general market itself. Like the Indian clientele, um, I would say is is morely, more focused on, you know, um, repair and bringing, you know, like maintain, having, buying a, a durable product. All right, so ChatGPT says five to seven years in, but it, people are now more frequently upgrading their vehicles every three to four years. So there you have it. This is this is for India, I think. Uh, we can check the average lifespan across the globe. But that's an interesting point. Like, if you think about changing your vehicle every three to four years, particularly in areas where you're buying your car on lease, where you're not incentivized to keep your car, like with the US, you can you can just pop in and pop in and get a new car whenever you like. Mm-hmm. In those environments, wouldn't there be a lot of product cycling? Or do you? Yeah. I mean, forget the focus on leases. I'm just I'm talking about the consumer behavior. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of, um, you know, like consumer behavior is, you know, like consumption oriented. So a lot of people tend to, you know, upgrade cars um, just for the, not for the, not just because the car stopped or something. It's just to look modern. Oh yeah, I'm driving a 2022 blah, 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 or a 2023 car instead of it's, you know, rather telling, oh, I'm driving a 2018 or 2016. 
you know, which is totally fine. A 2016 car will just do fine as long as you maintain the car. But, right. you know, it's the bling factor. How how much of a new product am I using? I looked at the, I looked at the stats for the globe. 11 to 12 years in developed countries and 5 to 8 in developing countries. Hmm. Just as an FII, yeah. Oh, so the developed countries keep their car longer than uh, the developing dev countries. Yeah, yeah. So it's the other way around. So, wow. So well, this is, talk, this is talking about ownership. No, not quite. We're talking about ownership and we're saying that people tend to... And anyway, like our focus right now is within the Indian market, within developing countries. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's considerably short, but this is for a car. So if we could use this as a segue into electronics in general, like with iPhones or with uh, Samsung phones for people who don't like Apple so much. Uh, the thing is, the contention is, we've been, we've been talking about the rights to repair for certain products, like with the iPhone. People have been lobbying for the right to change components of their iPhone, like the battery or the display, like if, if in case it breaks. Now, we've discussed in the past that if your iPhone screen breaks down or for whatever reason, like you can't change it, you have to go into the store, you can't go and get a third party screen necessarily. Like you used to be able to, but Apple's been making it harder and harder to get in third party components. Like today they do a serial number check, I believe before they allow you to work the phone. Now, isn't this also having an environmental impact? Like if I have to buy Apple and I have third-party manufacturers and I, for whatever reason, like whether my phone breaks down or not, whether there's a software throttling or not, whether it's just the battery that's gone down in performance, whether the chip works just fine or not. I would also add to it. So Apple has top-of-the-line security, right? So yeah. you cannot, let's say if it's, um, you know, iCloud locked, you cannot unlock the phone or the, whatever the Apple product is. That is also, you know, it's not very good for the environment because let's say you lock your phone, you forgot your Apple and something happens, you, you're not able to get in the phone. The it's almost impossible. Basically, it becomes a paperweight. So right. you have to sell it for parts. Most, yeah, I mean, the recycling part of the iPhone or any Apple product when it locks is also... It's just going to end up in a landfill. So that is not really how much a carbon footprint, how many phones uh, or Apple <laughs> products do actually go into the landfill because somebody couldn't unlock it. Which is contrary to their positioning with the charging brakes, if you remember. They were like, we'll yeah. stop shipping charging brakes in, in the box because we are environmentally conscious. Yet we're going to force you to buy a, a new iPhone every two or three I mean, three that's years. what they did, right? Like the Europe, Europe uh, actually now forces them to put charging As in, in And the... South America. And South yeah, America. So, I mean, what if I don't have an Apple product? So I have to buy a brand, a, a charging brick along with the phone now, you know, like, which is conventionally, every phone used to come with a charging cable. Yeah, you another know, so... thing is, you still get a charging cable, you don't get the brick, I believe. But another thing is, the switch to USB-C the standardization allows you to consume less once more. No, I mean, it, it's, they have to change it because they were forced to change it. They were not, yeah. they didn't want to change it. So it's not like they want to do it. They were forced no. to do it. So, and it's contrary to their point of view again, like their positioning exactly. is we are environmental, uh, we are environmental conscious. We want the what's best for the environment, but we force you to buy Corporate an hypocrisy. Food. Yeah. 
<laughs> so what what is your opinion of ESG overall? Like considering the overall value chain that you brought up, are we having a are we having the impact that we hoped to see with the shift into electronics or with the improvements in technology? And what ESG mostly stifles creativity because okay, now you so? have to look everything through this new lens of environment and you know um, the, the the climate change and all that. So, you know, like I think humans in, you know, are, you know, have the innate ability to fight the environment given the chance, like with creativity, um, you know, like we've always done it through time. So we have a problem, we're going to end up solving it, you know. So this excessive push to put environment, protection and environment, everything in our life, life and lifestyle it, I think stifles creativity. So uh, many, many of I these companies. I would argue that it gives your creativity direction. Give me an example. Well, if you think about Brownian motion, mm -hmm. you remember you remember like when you take a like when we took a beaker and then we drop sediment into a liquid. Yes. And yes. and the motion of the molecules essentially within that mm -hmm. random motions. What I'm saying is instead of having random motions wherein you don't know what direction you'll eventually take, like imagine if, uh, I'm going to move back to F1. Like I know I started with F1 and the Honda example, but stop of mine, I'm sorry. Like the direction that Red Bull took with their car. Now Mercedes took a, took a radically different position to their car. And now whatever the development is, like the chassis or for the parts aren't bringing out the kind of performance that they require to win. They are required to take an entirely new direction. I'm saying that if you have multiple directions, true, there are greater opportunities to see what works and what doesn't. But then what I think is happening today is that we know that ESG is important to an extent. Like I need to be able to save my environment. And to save my environment or to save my environment, let's have these focused thoughts. I think ESG is giving creators direction of sorts. I'm not saying use electric uh, electricity to generate energy. I'm saying think about the environment when you're generating electricity. I mean, power, let's say power. It gives, sure, it gives a direction. If, if, if I have to counter on that, let's just say, let's just pick a electric car, right? So it is more, if you have an electric car, you cannot repair that car. Like right to repair goes out of the, the door, basically. Like let's say how are you going to, you cannot even remove that battery. Like, yeah, you know, you have Today to. Today you to can't do it. No, you can't you know, do it like, today. It'll happen sure. eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna take a long time, but as of right now, the corporates hold the key. You know, yeah, but like, you can't expect the supply side to grow if the demand side does not show some kind of pull. You have to you have to journey through this. It's the yeah, I mean, diffusion curve, right? Rogers diffusion curve. It's gonna curve. take time for it to you know, the demand to develop. Like like I'm kinda of scared to buy let's say if I wanna buy a two wheeler. I'm mm -hmm. I'm kind of scared to buy a, a battery uh, tubular. I don't know when it's going to blow up, you know, like there were <laughs> multiple times this happened, you know. I would say the batteries probably have to be designed in the home country because for the temperature regulations, like, for example, we have this Ola, right? Ola, you know, electric uh, S1 Pro, um, the scooter. So mm -hmm. the battery of it is actually designed in China. So you cannot have something designed in China and bring it down to India where the temperatures are radically different. So that was one of the biggest reasons their battery explosions happened. But if you compare that to the Aether, 
the 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 aether school think was developed in india yeah they don't have that problem you know you know like i haven't heard any aether blowing up i have heard about ola blowing up. right so just to clarify that obviously would have an environmental impact batteries blowing up yeah um <laughs> esg goes out of the door now <laughs> uh, yeah so components not working out not being used in the right conditions have, have been things that have been plaguing mankind for a very long time there were there were points where uh, ceramic as a material was uh, considered for engines just as mm-hmm. an fii like bmw experimented with it toyota experimented yeah. with it yeah but that didn't it's work actually out actually very because... good but they had this issues like ceramic ceramic is very good for an engine block but because it has gonna it had the temperature rating right so you can basically ceramic is and conduction know, is yes yes not but, but then the when you go when the piston hits too fast it's not strong enough to hold on to that you know the compression ratio so with toyota the example i was thinking of because it's an insulator the temperatures within the system within the engine rose up to a point where the liquids the fluids that were being used like your engine oils and such mm-hmm. they weren't working the way they were supposed to because the temperatures were not conducive to that they weren't within their working range so oh, now wow. you'd have to change everything yeah so they became yeah from newtonian liquids to non-newtonian liquids okay. i mean you if we both might have conflicting ideas on esg but where can we come um on par with that like where so we've been talking say... about the environmental impact largely let's also discuss the social impact and the governance impacts just just to be well rounded in this conversation with government impacts uh like some some attributes would be data and privacy intellectual property rights corporate governance to an extent are we moving in the right direction there i have i i, I don't know like i would say i would take a libertarian path like i would say lesser <laughs> government in there you know like let the corporate world um innovate to figure out um Car- like like a very good example is carbon capture you use these huge fans cast the carbon and then you know make it into you know some kind of um, you know you, you know solid carbon from carbon dioxide to remove the make it from the gaseous form to a solid form that another one is i would say i would completely argue against this because so you're not is, in favor of esg overall i i'm not uh, to a certain it. extent i would say like let's say you, let's say the the carbon dioxide rises right the mm-hmm. earth the the climate itself adapted to it almost by now because there is the greenery of the earth actually potentially increased from the 70s so the green cover really? um yeah there is a, a research study which was actually um done um i would even i'll i'll point it out to you but yeah. um but proportionate that, to the impact that we've been having or it yeah, if, if you look at it if you um look at it was actually in the nature uh, magazine if you look at the the uh, the carbon dioxide increase um in the environment the the greenery also went up i mean but if you look at it, it, it hasn't been proportionate to offsetting the impact of i don't know what uh, your position on greenhouse gases or or global, no, no, or no, global warming if you look at green if you're in a greenhouse right in a greenhouse facility they literally pump carbon dioxide for the plants to you know grow faster sure what was what is the reason then so there is a proportionality for the plants uh to capture carbon and grow more you know and in a you know environment which has more carbon dioxide understood which 
I guess like I don't remember I don't know if you remember class 10 we had this uh, environmental studies or something that was introduced in in our school ICSC we were the first batch to write it at least yeah 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 and one of the one of the chapters there was on uh, the effect of increasing carbon dioxide levels within lakes where mm-hmm. when you do so there is this algae formation algae uh, algae like whatever you yeah. that mm-hmm. formation that covers the surface of the a lake, and mm-hmm. you can see this in Hyderabad. In um, when I think in Taj Mahal, yeah, the, the lake oxygen right level of the lake, right? It, it, and sunlight, and it yes. changes the biosphere entirely. Yes, so it's called leaching, right? Leaching, I believe. Oh no, it was not leaching. It was uh, it was a it was scientific term for it. It was basically yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the the algae, the the density of the algae go, uh, goes up. This was eighteen years ago. You get that yeah, 18, 19 wow. years ago. <laughs> You'll remember you're a nerd. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are talking about an increase in uh, global uh, the, the global plant count because because the carbon dioxide in the environment has increased. But it isn't so that if the carbon dioxide in say Wyzag where we're sitting has increased, there's going to be an offsetting elsewhere, like how how does that work? Like as an example, you have the Amazon rainforest, which is supposed to help the environment tremendously, help yeah, the, Earth the, tremendously the, the, the by absorbing. Right? Yeah, yeah, but what sink. is the impact in India? Like, is I that helping it, India? It's, no, no, no. You have to look at it as an overall perspective. Like, you know, like oh, you know, just say oh, U.S. reduced it became carbon uh, net neutral, zero or carbon zero. Mm-hmm. Nothing's gonna happen if you know India and China are not gonna do it. None of that is gonna happen. And then if you look at it from the perspective of the, 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 the government, they're going to say, oh, yeah, throughout the time America grew, you used oil to the utmost level and you grew at a phenomenal place, you know, and now you are trying to stifle us from growing because you have these, you know, ridiculous climate goals. So that's that's where the argument will come. I mean, the entire you have to look at it, the entire earth. But another thing is it's the carbon doesn't just get absorbed by the plants itself it gets absorbed by the ocean too yeah ocean is one of the biggest carbon sinks so there is a huge you know um you know carbon capture from the ocean so tell me this uh why are we experiencing rising honestly that that feels like an entirely different rising, question, right? the, see, the, rising the, temperatures is what i was going to say yeah so but that's not ESG focused it is a cycle i believe it's yeah. a cycle like with reading with multiple uh sources it's a cycle of it becomes cold i mean if you look at it's why we've uh, had multiple ice ages yeah the 70s they had this huge scare right now we have this heating 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 oh it's you know temperatures going up in the 70s they had this temperature is going to drop it's going to be ice age soon so do everything nothing happened all these so-called scientists you know like they were, I mean, they were, uh, Al Gore predicted, you know, the, the, the entire earth is going to end by 2005. To an extent, population has changed dramatically. So, yeah, sure. Like, metaphorically, we have died. <laughs> so it's circling, <laughs> circling back to ESG, though. Uh, so, what I believe we've established so far is that the biggest brands today have had a certain impact. It isn't necessarily the impact that we wanted to see. Like with electric vehicles, as an example, we believe that we are we aren't uh, impacting the environment as much as we used to, but we aren't necessarily considering 
say, energy generation costs beyond necessarily considering the value chain of production of that vehicle. So overall, maybe we've had more of an impact on the environment, a negative impact on the environment than the positive change that we were looking for. That might change in the future considering technology development. Uh, rights to repair is something that I was hoping we could get into a little more considering uh, the different life cycles of each component within the within the product. If you could talk about that really quick. I mean, the right to repair, I'm super pro with modular phones. So if you say, you know, I'd rather build my own I think phone, Moto so... had released a model, modular phone, yeah, right? I don't believe... There's a Moto Z1, if I remember correctly. The modular phones was a particular thing. They didn't do their marketing pretty well. And that, that kind of killed the idea. Like they, I think with modular they, phones, they... there were two issues. One was ad adoption, obviously. It's a supply-demand side thing. If mm -hmm. there isn't sufficient demand, there isn't going to be, like supply is eventually going to die out. The second thing was, I don't think the incentive structure within the supply side was great. Like if you aren't incentivized to, and obviously demand is a part of that, a huge part of that incentive. But if you aren't incentivized appropriately to participate, like companies want you to upgrade your entire phone. They don't want you to change a component. And so your profitability is affected. So the supply side was not incentivized sufficiently to participate in modularity, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember that Lego phone, like you can actually, like let's say you want a bigger a camera, you can just click a bigger camera on it. You want to mm -hmm. remove it, you want a bigger battery pack, remove the, let's say you have a 2000 mAh battery, you're just going to remove that for the 3000 mAh battery. And I, I believe it was like a... I think it was a project era phone or something. Uh, Google. I don't know if it's a Google one. I think yeah, Moto Google was, Moto Z was the Motorola's Moto Z was the was the modular phone I was thinking of. Google stopped about it, but yeah. So settling into uh, rights to repair, I know that companies are getting into rights to repair today, and that is a big step in uh, into increasing the life cycle of the phones that we use or the electronic gadgets overall. But where do you think we are in that and where do you think we need to I get? I would say they are forced to oblige the right to repair. Because they of ESG governance. They don't, probably, sure. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, positive this is something we agree, positive. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, look at John Deere, right? The, the tractor company, for example. Yeah. They don't let you do anything. You have to buy their product completely from from the software integration to the the hardware of the tractor itself you cannot even repair it like because for you to repair it you have to connect the the huge uh the the, the obd machine everything it's 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 only can be done it's by a company right. yeah same thing with apple apple glues their uh the battery to the phone you cannot you know, like even if you open the phone like if you don't properly glue it back, there is a, you know, the, the battery might blow up and you never know how you're going to connect it right. So, yeah, there is a push towards corporate governance uh, help uh, towards right to repair, but I would say it has to be much more. They should put in more effort into it. Wait, so who's they? The, govern the governance? No, no, the guys I would say the, 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 the corporate. The corporate. They, they need to allow more right to repair. Like, you see these rebel iFixit, if you've heard yeah. about this website, yeah, iFixit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they are so against, you know, um, corporates locking everything up. They they put schematics on there. 
you know, of, um, you know, how to change your iPhone. Um, like, I think they had these schematics. Um, for the blueprints for, for the yeah, yeah for basically. Displays for the, yeah, I think they experimented with displays largely, but primary concern here is the battery. What I'm getting at that is because companies like Apple, companies like, uh, was it AMTZ? Uh, no, ASML. A ASML is the, the Dutch company, right? That manufactures yeah, the, the, the chips. Yeah, chip. manufactures the yeah. chip chip making uh, machines. Then um, yes, and then what about uh, the Taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company EMC. Intel? EMC. We're making foundries. What was that company? Uh, yes, and C. Yeah. Uh, uh, TSMC. And, yeah. Yeah, and now they're creating foundries in America. America is pushing to have uh, a bunch of foundries, semiconductor foundries within the country. India is looking to set set that up with the Tatas. There is a strong push towards towards bringing in semiconductors over, overall there's a there's a lot of technology te technological investments in improving the qualities of these chips now their life cycle isn't necessarily going to be proportionate i mean it is proportionate that's the wrong word it isn't going to be the same as other components within the setup like a display is going to survive for say five years as an example a chip might survive 10 years like sure it might get outdated but then with smartphones this was another thing we were talking about Assuming that with the number of iterations that smartphones have had, they've gotten to a point where it's it's already quite big. It's already, I'm going to record over this because we are at the end of our time. I'm going to send you a new link. Yeah. I, I remember where we were at. I was making a point. So um, what I was talking about before we abruptly dropped was that the components within a phone, they have different life, life cycles. Like the display case could have, the display uh, could have like a five-year life cycle. The chips that are mm -hmm. being so heavily invested upon for optimization could have like a 10-year life cycle. I don't know. The battery might have a two-year life cycle and might need to be changed based on your usage, particularly since it's on, like with your cell phone as an example, it's on every single day. So yeah, the battery is being impacted. It's being heavily impacted. And so are the other components, but then it might deteriorate at a different rate than the other components. I should have the considering the environmental impact, it would be great if I had the option of changing my battery or changing the display or whatever component every so years such that I don't have to change the entire phone. I think the environmental impact would be so much better if I didn't have to change the entirety of the phone. And what I was also getting at was before we abruptly dropped was that if you consider cell phones, smartphones, and the fact that it's a very mature product, the innovation in smartphones is iterative right now. At this point in time, you're looking at AR glasses coming in, like Apple's glasses. We're mm -hmm. talking about uh, VR headsets, mixed reality headsets coming in. We're talking about an architectural or let's say disruptive innovation taking place. It's an entirely different product that's going to come out later. Smartphones in, in themselves are a very mature product. So assuming that they're only going to be iteratively improved, the components are pretty good. The components ought to last much longer. I should have the ability to change components. That would have a more sound environmental impact. Remember the old phones, Nokia phones, where you can actually just take your battery off and put your SIM card in it? Yeah. I mean, why not something like that? Why seal the battery inside the phone completely? You have to you know, break apart the phone completely to even remove any of that battery. Why can't... No, um, like I would say not even the newer Samsung's is the same way. You cannot take your battery off. All the new phones are going towards where like you cannot just 
put the battery, click it in, and good to go. You can't have IPX ratings which which are which make it dust and uh, water resistant. And yeah, there there are innovations that have been sacrificed Shit. for the for the, 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 the the I was uh, you know the 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 Nokia brick was uh the the, the we call it the brick phone. Remember? Yeah, it was double all one double zero. <laughs> it was, it was four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you could so run I, a car on it. <laughs> So my scuba diving instructor posted on Facebook uh, this Samsung Galaxy, I think this was the 7 or the 6, where he found it underwater, in, in the sea, like uh, on the seabed, and mm -hmm. it worked. Like he yeah, got I mean, it out, he cleaned it up. It was it built worked. well back then. Built tough. Yeah, and, and the new phones, like this one, I, I'm assuming is also water resistant to a great Just extent. don't drop it. Don't drop it. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to go back to right to repair right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a psychopath for not using a case with it. Okay, I've seen a lot of people with that case. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just scary. Yeah, it is. Like, particularly when I'm going into an airport, like security, they require you to hand over the device. That's incredibly scary ah, for me. I'm yeah. just like, I would You're rather give you all over the floor. <laughs> I would rather just... the entire house. <laughs> yeah. I would rather just print out a ticket and be like, here you go, look, which obviously has its own environmental impact, but circling back, circling back. To Carbon ESG. footprint. <laughs> circling back to ESG, what about the social impact? We've talked about the, the impact of governance. We've talked about the impact on the environment directly. What about the social impact? Social impact, I think it's, you know, like, what did it bring? What kind of social impact did it bring? ESG. Um, I don't. I don't know any. Any. I. When I think about ESG, I only think about environment. I don't think about so so uh, <laughs> social impact. I think there is this whole impact on mankind overall that it's supposed to bring in. That you're working in better conditions. That gov that corporate governance is oriented towards improving society uh, at large, and that there is an environmental impact wherein there's this angle of sustainability. So with the social impact, we're talking about labor practices as, as an example, health and safety would also come into this particular department. I mean, these are companies which have sweatshops in China, man, come on. And, and people have been talking about stopping these sweatshops in Bangladesh and China. What are your thoughts on that? It's not gonna Is happen. Is it a positive? No, forget about whether it's gonna happen or not. You, Is are it you a positive are you impact? Be, will, you be, will, will anybody will be willing to pay $3,000 for an iPhone? No. I don't know, maybe eventually. No, nobody's going to do that. You know, it's just they need these sweatshops as much as they come out and say, yeah, I, you know, I'm pro ESG. And because in China, it's there's no labor laws in China. You know, like Bangladesh, what is there? You work. Just to clarify, you mean day. sketchy. You mean sketchy laws that may or may not be enforced. You aren't saying yeah. there are no I mean, no there are laws. I mean, yeah, there are yeah. regulations, but. Just How much of the regulation is actually enforced? Or like, the ability to enforce on a large population as well. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not enforced. Like, so these guys can, the, the corporate world can come and preach ESG every day, but. We've been talking about is, that in India as well, right? Like, the, yeah. one of these apps, I think Foxconn, uh, if I remember correctly, one of these Foxconn uh, setups in India were being 
was being investigated for it, their labor conditions. But we don't know. Like, I don't have firsthand information, but so I don't know. Foxconn was also asking India to modify labor laws to accommodate their some of their practices. Yeah, maybe. Now, so there is a bunch of issues with that. So I don't know how much of it's going to help socially, but environmentally, so, they're trying. So here's the anecdote that was in my mind. The societal impact, there were people were talking about how in sweatshops, the, since the labor conditions are extreme, since they aren't great, they caused these sweatshops to, they, they protested, rioted in developed countries for these uh, sweatshops in the developing countries to be shut down. And uh, until their conditions were improved, and because manufacturing decided to investigate these sweatshops, they had to be shut down. And uh, there was this one person who got on Reddit or I don't know what what platform. And he got on this platform and said that, look, I understand that the labor conditions weren't great in these sweatshops, but they provided my aunt with a with a different lifestyle wherein she didn't have to serve as a prostitute. She was able to survive in this, these sweatshops in slightly better conditions. She didn't have to sell her body. And that was something that I mean, she didn't want to. We've been talking about ESG for a while. What, would, what, in your opinion, are the value takeaways from this conversation? We've talked about the rights to repair. We've talked about the value chain's impact. Like, let's not look at things in isolation. Let's not look at just the component of what's being marketed to us. We need to no, consider I mean, the support system, the value ESG... chain. I would say ESG has a lot more work to do. Um, you know, they have to be, they shouldn't be linear about ESG. They should be, the ESG should be, I would say, um, the, the corporate world have to ease into the people. They shouldn't be just, you know, throwing it down the throat. So shouldn't they be influencing some of ESG? Like if I had to participate in a system, I would like a voice in that system. Like I don't want... Uh, the French president to come in and tell me, Macron to tell me what I need to be doing. That that's the contention that developing countries have. That's the contention that corporates will have I as mean, well. Like Macron, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I don't mean to single him out, obviously. I mean, like leaders like Macron, Modi, and whoever else are coming in and saying that this is what you need to do. I'd like to participate in shaping that vision. I mean, if they would come and argue that, yeah, they'd rather take their private jet to a, a climate conference. So... Which is, which is Shame trampling on, on you. Their, which is trampling on the ESG. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it is. It's a great concept. It's it's a phenomenal concept. Uh, to look into it, but it's very hard to do it uh, in the reality. It's it's a very ideal concept, but no, if it's idealistic, it. if it's idealistic, I would say people should work on chipping it down and, and getting it to a stage where it is practical. If it, when I say idealistic, I mean like when I picture idealistic, I mean like it is the state that we ought to be in. But mm -hmm. what I think we were arguing or debating across this conversation was not that ESG was ideal, but that it was. No, I guess that we were talking about the pragmatism of ESG, right? Like whether it was practical mm -hmm. or not. We aren't mm -hmm. debating whether ESG is good or bad. We believe it's good. I, I mean, it is good conclusion. for the mankind, but how yeah. much of it is actually implementable? Um, implement, yeah. Like you know, the corporate itself don't implement it. Like how many of these corporate, um, you know, corporate, um, you know, corporates um, actually, you know, implement this ESG? Like 
will they you know will you stop you know they don't stop taking uh private jets you also know, with esg we've been looking at corporates in isolation like as an example we've been talking about apple quite a bit in this conversation and that's mm-hmm. primarily because i love the brand me too. I'm, <laughs> top, I'm, like, uh, top of top of mind. But we've been we've been talking about Apple and its impact on the environment. We've been talking about uh, Tesla's electric vehicles and their imp- impact on the environment. But uh, why aren't we looking at them as a whole? Like, why shouldn't Apple and Tesla participate? Like, we we heard rumors of a, an Apple car coming in, and then the, and and then various brands looking at expanding their portfolios. Shouldn't ESG also be looking at getting these corporates to pull in their resources, look for synergies wherein they're participating. Like like with the car companies, they are pooling in their resources. The technology companies are pooling in their resources for the development of uh, AI, for the development of uh, electric vehicles. Like risk, sure. not respectively, um, but they have been pooling in their resources, but shouldn't ESGs focus on getting them to synergize a little more? It's going to take time. For them to do that, it's just going to take time because um, if you look at it, uh, corporate comp- uh, competition is going to get in the way, you know, I think it's going to get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like what well, the Tesla is not going to share their, uh, intellectual property with, they um, have been. you know, no, they have, they, they've released all their IPs, right? That is very little, but basically, you know, like Tesla itself is, I think like this actually, they told, um, Elon actually said it. it's in itself is seven companies. Yeah. Like it does everything from battery to car manufacturer to charging, the charging port. That's just, you know, but when it comes to GM or Ford or any just, of these. Electric- I just had this thought. I, I feel like what I was describing with ESG and leveraging synergies across companies to promote ESG, isn't that the concept of globalization at the end of the day? The point of it globalization is. was to harness the powers of individual nations I mean, and ESGs. I think completely based on uh, Paris Climate Accord. You know, so no, no, um, not, not the ESG. I'm talking about the concept of leveraging synergies. That's that's what globalization was meant to promote. It's the good part of globalization. Yes. Why I bring it up though is because people are pulling back from globalization. America is yeah, looking at bringing in confidence. Yeah. yeah, nationalization. I believe is the opposite movement. People are looking at paring down globalization and then promoting national nationalization because of the, because of the supply chain issues. So and how impactful is how impactful is ESG going to be? Like if nations are starting to withdraw, can we expect MNCs to come together and then work on a common goal? Like are we going to see ESG come together? Like it's all very good for leaders to come in to come in to. Unless it's the globalization push happens again, ESG yeah. is not going to be a major factor. Yeah, because it's all well and good for like leaders to come in and meet at Davos or France or India, even like G20 is happening in India now. Uh, all of them come in and make agreements, but then have their own agendas because nationalism or uh, nationalization or whatever the movements going to be called versus globalization is going to take place. It's like I said, ESG is ideally good, hard to implement. You know, on on the same level, like maybe America might be, you know, no, we talked about them being practical. ESG, you know, we or, talked about it being practical. Yeah. We didn't talk about them being hard to implement. They might be hard practical to implement. Impl- Sri Lanka it's... implemented it quite well. Yeah, look, look what at happened. their economy now. So yeah, like, it wasn't hard they to implement. fertilizers, and it wasn't hard you know, to like, implement. It's very easy to implement. It's yeah, it's devastating, you know, for 
the food security of a country. Yeah, so practicalities, I would say. I think we should stick with pra the, the pragmatism involved with implementing ESG. I mean, Netherlands is going that route too, of the Sri Lanka route. They're trying to ban fertilizers, chemical fertilizers, you know, so that was, you know, based on the ESG. But they got so, voted out, right? The farmers are yeah, the, yes. now winning. That was the biggest reason they got voted out, you know, so... That is the biggest reason for the rightward shift in uh, Netherlands, like because they went and started fighting with the farmers. You know, like that is a huge problem to the food security of the country. I think that's a separate conversation altogether. Yeah. The rise of farmers across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but well, thank you for your time. I think this was a very productive discussion overall. Thank you for your Do time. You have any... It was. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying, you know, like um, ESG is, is a phenomenal concept, but I don't know how well it'll be implemented or how how good is it, um, is it practically possible to implement it? So it all boils down to that. The practicalities, uh, yeah, let's just say that, like the practicalities of ESG, because we don't understand the full impact. Like we can sit and talk about it until the cows come home, but it, it's <laughs> going to be, no, it's it's simply like what- hey, Well, I, cows are bad like, for ESG. Fair enough. Like, starting back <laughs> to the, the sweatshop conversation, like they were trying to improve human lives at the end, the condition of human lives at the end of the day. They didn't know the impact that they were having eventually. Similarly, electric vehicles, the, the innovation came in from a, a consideration where you wanted to have more sustainability in the planet. But then uh, you that also birthed the idea that you need a second home and you need to colonize Mars because it's going to be very hard for Earth to survive in the next 20, 30 years. And what about the impact of rockets on, like launching rockets on the Earth? On Earth? That's not yeah, a great you, idea. The, 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 the Elon Musk himself said you cannot make a rocket battery operate. Yeah. You, it's just, not it's gonna just generate impossible the kind of for you to do it to escape gravity. So... Yeah. That tells you where, you know, like you can have electric cars all over, but you can't make a rocket electric. Yeah, anyway, like, like conclude, final points, final points, I wish. ESG, mm -hmm. or I, I'll conclude because I think you've been concluding sure. for the last five or 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, ESG, good, not practical yet. Uh, I would like to see more corporate participation in both the implementation of their interpretation of ESG I would like for for societies to do the same. I would also like for the governments to invite us as a people to participate in this conversation. I know they're electric elected electric elected representatives that <laughs> they're supposed to they're supposed to represent us. But then yeah, somewhere down the line I think that there needs to be more open participation wherein we are we are allowed to shape the environment that we are participating in.